Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to The Waiting Room on Podcast225.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Waiting Room. We have officially hit double digits. This is episode 10. Um, I am super excited today because I think this is probably going to be my favorite guest of The Waiting Room thus far because it's uh, my partner in crime, Katie Fetzer. (laughs) So for those of you just tuning in, uh, Katie and I started The Waiting Room to provide an educational platform for the public and our listeners. We feel that it's an opportunity to gain insight on mental health um, and how we apply psychology to pretty much everything from pop culture and current events to relationships and social issues. So um, each of the episodes are hosted by myself and Katie and... uh, we often have expert guests and members of our community discussing the the meaning behind the madness. But uh, for today's episode, we really wanted to dive deeper into who we are. Mm-hmm. And so um, the last episode was was a little bit into my work and psychosocial oncology. But today we're going to be focusing on Kat's, Katie. So welcome, Katie. Thank you. <laughs> to thank the you. show. Um, and just a disclaimer that this is not to ever, anything that we talk about is never to replace mental health uh, counseling. And that if you are interested in counseling, you can reach out to the wellness studio at 225-448-3359 or visit our website, which is surprisinglywell.com. Okay, Katie. So, um, and for those of you who, who have been listening, you're very well aware that we're definitely, um, in sync with how we feel about mental health counseling and how to bring this information to you. We have been partners now for years. Um, and, uh, we co-founded the wellness studio together. So we, um, definitely have a passion for, uh, taking mental health uh, to a, a place where it's very um, user friendly. It's it's very um, easy for people to um, reach out and and open up. So let's get started with um, what really inspired you to go into the field of mental health. That's a good place to start, if any. <laughs> um, so for me, it started in, and believe it or not, it was it it was more psychology than anything that drew my attention, um, but. Growing up, I knew this is obviously not much different than I would say most counselors in general. Um, I knew that I wanted to help people and I knew that I was someone that cared about others and wanted to do in some way be able to give back. And at the time, I I never necessarily knew what that would be. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was one who, if you, my mom still kept all of my list to Santa and on my list to Santa, it says help so-and-so or do this for so-and-so. So it was just always one of those things that I knew that I wanted to help people in some way or give back in some way, but I just wasn't exactly sure how. And I remember in my senior year of high school, my, um, one of my teachers that year taught us about psychology. So we didn't have a psychology oh, wow. course. No, but you had a little unusual. bit of that in high school. That's awesome. Right. Um, nowadays, I think that they're starting to implement that. But then, you know, when I was in high school, we didn't have psychology as an offered course, but it was something that was, that I learned about my senior year. And I remember it just kind of clicking for me and thinking, wow, this is so fascinating. I mean, who isn't fascinated by psychology to begin with? Mm-hmm. So psychology is what kind of drew me into then 
mental health or having that kind of interest. That's kind of mm-hmm. where it started for me. Um, but at the time, what was very interesting, another factor was at the time, mental health was still very much a kind of taboo thing. There was a huge stigma surrounding it. And I had a family member who struggled with mental health issues and uh, something that I always knew, but I didn't understand Mm -hmm. really what it meant or why. And no one talked about it. Right. Um, not necessarily my family, but just on the outside too, it it wasn't something that was talked about. So there was this curiosity there mixed with this desire to help, not knowing exactly what that meant or how, not even really knowing at the time that there was a career for it. Mm. Um, so my senior year of high school, I decided to do my research project on psychology and wrote a research paper, um, on just the field of psychology. And that's when I learned, okay, I'm going to major in psychology. (laughs) Oh, wow. So you went into college immediately. Immediately. Wow. Yeah. I I knew right, right at that point that that's what I wanted to do. And I majored in psychology and never looked back. Um, so for my whole, my, all the time that I was in college at LSU, um, and, and very much it all kind of just organically unfolded and happened. I didn't really even know about the field of counseling, to be That's honest. Gonna, my next question um, was, how did that go into, how did, what attracted you to the, that program? For me, it was a professor, a psychology professor that uh, made a, a really big impact on me. And I ended up making a point to meet with him and reach out to him. And I wanted to see what else I could do to be involved in psychology. What can I do with this? Mm -hmm. Um, Also having the mentorship from my parents along the way, them kind of encouraging me and telling me, you know, you need to learn more about what you can do when you graduate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cause I think there's that (laughs) concern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So uh, what I did was I met with my professor and he introduced me to the field of counseling and said, you know, I really don't know how you take outside feedback, but I feel like you would fit with this field. So he kind of paired me and said, I see you as someone that would f- be a good counselor. Why don't you go and talk to somebody? And so I wow. made an appointment with, um, at doc- uh, I remember exactly who it was, <laughs> Dr. Gittner and Dr. Choate. Uh, I think it was Dr. Gittner at first, but he was the department chair at the counseling unit counseling program at LSU and that's when I decided to apply um and then the rest is history yeah (laughs) okay so then um talk about your experience in the field so you had this you know great education with LSU and then where did you first start your internship yeah so whenever I was at LSU I first interned um, at a, well, my first internship experience was at a college university counseling center. So there I worked with mostly young adults struggling with really, um, a variety, wide Mm -hmm. variety of issues. Um, and then from there I started working at a, my second internship was working at a mental health center in Ascension Parish with children, um, adolescents and adults. And so I got a little bit more of a variety in terms of working with different populations and ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after graduating from LSU, the first job I got out of grad school was working at a hospital, a psychiatric hospital, um, a local one here in town. And that is, was my first job. And I actually, um, still hold a position at, at that hospital and, uh, so most of my experience has been working in hospital settings where 
for those of you who don't know, uh, psychiatric hospitals, you're doing, for counselors working in those types of settings, you're working with a multidisciplinary treatment team. So you get a lot of experience working with psychiatrists, nurses, social workers, mm-hmm. um, internal medicine physicians, neurologists. Um, you kind of get a really wide variety of um, disciplines that you're working with and different philosophies on mental health. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting for me working there, but the, the biggest impact that working there has had on me has been the population of, of kids that I've worked with and the mm-hmm. different issues we've seen. So a lot of abuse, a lot of trauma, um, and mostly crisis situations. So those that are in the hospital setting in terms of the patient population, they, you know, have either faced or struggling with suicide, um, homicidal thoughts are gravely disabled or struggling maybe with addiction and need some form of detox. So it's always a, a very, um, highly stressful and in, in crisis type situation. Yeah. Um, and that's been the bulk of my experience. Yeah. So, and being exposed to so many different, um, different things there, what, what would you describe as your specialty area? Currently, I would say based on, you know, my experiences leading up to this, I really enjoy working with the adolescent and young adult population because mm-hmm. that's the unit I've worked in or in the hospital since I've graduated. But it's also the, I would say the population that I'm most drawn to Mm -hmm. and that I feel like I have, um, a great rapport with. So in terms of population, that's kind of my general age range. And then in terms of, you know, mental health area, in terms of specialty areas there, I would say mostly general, but anxiety, depression, ADHD, and trauma for sure. I would say the bulk of my training has been in trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have some certifications in suicide prevention and suicide intervention. So the, that has kind of become my specialty area. But I would say also being with where I am in my career, um, I've been practicing for about six years going on seven. It's still something that I would say is growing. And that's okay. the thing that I most enjoy yeah. is being able to um, kind of still explore what exactly it is that I am um, really wanting to be able to develop Mm-hmm. in my wheelhouse. Is that what motivated you to start pursuing your PhD? Actually, no. Um, whenever I was working, the main thing that motivated me to pursue a PhD, which I will have to say, whenever you go into counseling, and I think you can chime in on this too, mm-hmm. whenever I went into counseling, I didn't see PhD no. at the end. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I, <laughs> I ne- might not have done it. <laughs> yeah, I truly, it wasn't a thought in my mind. Mm-hmm. When I went in, I just knew I wanted to have the education, training, and credentials to be able to help people effectively. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that you can, you know, there's all different forms of, of helping and helping professions, but getting a master's in counseling actually teaches you to actually effectively and using best practice methods, be able to actually help people and transform lives. And so I didn't see a PhD at the end of that when I first started. Um, It wasn't until I started working at the hospital setting and what, what that did for me was it was like it provided a window into the functioning of our mental health system. Mm-hmm. So because the hospital is where, you know, it meet, it serves all populations, all cultures, all ages, all ethnic groups, all races, and all SES across the board. And yeah. so it has a very diverse population of people that it serves. And it really gave me this glimpse, this window into the functioning of our mental health system and how it was meeting or not meeting the needs of certain population and individuals. And I saw issues mm-hmm. that 
really pulled at my heartstrings, especially, I mean, I'm talking when it comes down to when we find out that a kid is being abused, what process or protocol occurs and are there any kinks in that protocol Mm -hmm. that need to be fixed? You know, who gets slipped through the cracks and why? Um, There's a lot of of really, a lot of the trench work that I was doing that really started to make me feel, I would say helpless almost with where I was in. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was more that I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have it in my abilities yet. Right. And I got the feedback from a supervisor that said, you have, you know, this desire to make a bigger impact and to do that, you need to pursue a PhD. Wow. So that kind of is what led me into wanting to get my, um, doctorate. And before at that time, I remember meeting you, um, and that was also something being able to see you meet you someone and see that someone done, that's yeah. also yeah. done it. It was yeah. like, okay, I can learn more about this. I can talk to people about it. Right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what drew me. Yeah. And what's really exciting is that you are nearing the end of that program. So you are right now in the thick of it for your dissertation. Can mm-hmm. you tell us what your research has been about thus far and, and, and your dissertation? Yes. Oh gosh, I would love to <laughs> because I'm rolling in it right now. Um, so right now I am, I have finished all my coursework and passed my general exams, which for those of you that don't know, uh, that means that you have completed your coursework training in a doctoral program and you've been given kind of the stamp to say you can go forward and pursue dissertation research. So that is currently where I am. I'm currently writing the first three chapters of my dissertation and my topic, if you will, is focused on mental health policy, which is to kind of break it down for everyone. um, Policy is what kind of governs and supports all of what we do. I mean, it touches everything Mm -hmm, really. mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of how it touches mental health, mental health, you know, as I was saying, working in the hospital setting and seeing how our system did or didn't meet the needs of certain individuals and populations. Well, policy is really what has control over that and governs it. Everything kind of breaks down to politics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it really kind of want, made me and, and motivated me to want to learn more about the process of mental health policy construction and how that actually happens mm-hmm. because it's not something that counselors are trained on. And so what I'm hoping to do, I'm, I'm going to do a qualitative research design. This is likely boring for some listeners (laughs) so I won't go I won't get too jargony and go into too much of that but what I'm hoping to do is interview um, our state legislators here in the state of Louisiana and learn more about the process that they go through when they're dealing with issues related to mental health wow Wow. I mean, I, I, it's so interesting to hear you talk about it at such a young age wanting to have this impact and really focusing your research on doing just that. So mm-hmm. when you get, when you can, when you defend your dissertation and they announce you as Dr. Katie Fetzer, what are you hoping is the next step after that? That's a really good question. Um, my uh, first instinct immediate answer is I d- know for a fact that I want to teach. Oh, um, wow. yes, I, I was fortunate enough while being a student, a doctoral student at UNO, to have been able to teach internationally twice. And that is something that most don't or can't say that they're offered or have that opportunity. It's not something that's offered in every doctoral program. Mm -hmm. It just happened to be that the time I was there, there was this opportunity to internationally teach thanks to Dr. Barbara Hurley. Um, But so in those experiences that I had, it really it it kind of cultivated for me and illuminated for me that it's something that I really enjoy doing. Mm. Um, and what's really interesting is that I kind of had this epiphany while I was doing it that I was 
in following the steps of my grandfather and I didn't realize it until that moment. Wow. Tell um, us more about that. Well, my, my grandfather uh, was a mathematician. mathematician. <laughs> he was head of the math department at LSU for 30 plus years. Um, and he was the only other person in our family with a PhD, but he, which is, you know, very fortunate to say that I had him as a mentor, but he was always that kind of person that was like giving me the nudge along whenever really? he heard that I wanted to pursue a PhD. But whenever I, I knew I was going to, to do that in counseling, I never necessarily thought to myself that I'm going to end up teaching. Yeah. And it wasn't until I had those experiences in Malta, which is where I internationally taught, co-taught um, under my professor, Dr. Matthew Lyons, that it really helped me to realize that this is something that I not only enjoy doing, but can be good at. Yeah. Um, and you can make it an impact on people in different ways. And that to me was a, a very... Um, insightful experience for myself and uh, something that I know I want to do. And the next thing, of course, after finally being able to say that I have, have a PhD will be, I would also like to do some research. Mm -hmm. And I feel like teaching and research are two ways that you can make a bigger impact outside of counseling, right. clinical practice. So. Right. Right. Wow. Well, I hope maybe I can be a student one day in your <laughs> class because I think that would be fascinating. Do you, do you hope to do that more internationally or try to find some ways to be a part of the community here? Actually, I would say both. both? I would never um, turn down or shy away an opportunity to go and teach internationally again. Yeah. It has been such um, a fascinating, amazing, um, growth-provoking mm -hmm. experience. I think I learned more about myself than I taught others. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, it, that is definitely something that I would be open to doing and wanting to do. Um, and I think also offering some form of like consultation to, to people um, in terms of, you know, whether it's after I finish my dissertation and I'm working alongside policymakers and offering some sort of consultation service. Yeah. That's another thing that I think I would enjoy doing. Wow. So tell us something maybe that uh, we don't know about you. Um, I didn't say I forgot that question was popping up. Uh, <laughs> let me think. Oh, I held on to it. <laughs> I just rearranged it. <laughs> um, let me think. T something that people don't know about me. Um, oh, I can answer for you, but I don't <laughs> think you want me to. <laughs> I'm just thinking. There's a couple things that come to mind. Okay. One, uh, I am a huge animal lover. I, I was love gonna, animals. I was going to say that and music. Um, shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. And then, yeah, music. That's a good one. Um, I love playing the piano. I have a piano in my house that was my uncle's. Um, and it's one that I was given to by my father after he passed, after my uncle passed away. Uh, that's something that I like to do for my me time that I really enjoy. And I grew up in a musical family, and that's something that I think has really made more of an impact on me, and I'm learning more mm -hmm. as I grow how much it made an impact on me. I think that it's something that I see in myself as kind of giving me that like little creative side or passion side mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. has drawn me to wanting to um, pursue things and be open to learning new ideas and also being able to help people. Because uh, growing up with a, in a musical family with a father's a songwriter, um, cousins and aunts and uncles, her musicians, mm -hmm. uh, has really been a really big part of who I am. And I don't think that many, it's not something that I just share. And so it's something that I think most people maybe don't know. Yeah. Um, and I love to fish. Yeah. <laughs> and too, with, with music, that's definitely a topic we're going to explore in the waiting room um, yes. in the near future, just because it, it, Katie has such a 
like she said, a musical family and know so much about it. Um, and then it's just so passionate. It's such a great outlet for people too. Yes. So we're going to definitely talk more about music in the near future. So thank you, Katie, so much for giving us more into kind of a, a glimpse into your world, especially your research, which I think is so fascinating and it's going to help so many people. And I'm just honored to be, a, I hope so. Be your partner at the wellness <laughs> I studio. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel this. yet. But. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> I know it's you, you do, you start to turn a corner once you propose and then you, yeah. uh, finish up writing it's it's so exciting yes all right well thank you so much for listening you can find us on itunes podcast225.com or the talk 1073 mobile app until next time i'm mary Catherine rodrigue bye (laughs) thanks for listening to the waiting room this has been a podcast 225.com production 